Hello, and welcome back to the Lone Wolves Club podcast, a podcast for conversations you won't find in the church, a club for those who feel like a lone wolf. I'm your host, Nicole Porter, and I am so thankful for you tuning in and spending a little bit of your day with me. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into today's episode and save all of my business updates and stuff for the end. And today's episode is going to be a continuation on the topic of mental health. So if you don't know, my very, very first episode is called The Church and Mental Health. And in that, I talk about some common topics around mental health that are not really brought up in the church, like how so many biblical heroes, even Jesus himself, display signs of struggling with mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and how even though there are so many people in the Bible, even Jesus himself who struggle with their mental health, the church still shies away from talking about mental health. I also tell a story that my mom told me growing up that kind of helped me have a different perspective on seeking help for my mental health. So if you want to go back and listen to that, go ahead. Um, You don't have to listen to it, though, in order to follow today's episode. I'm just diving a bit deeper into some other topics related to mental health that I feel burdened to talk about. So anyway, let's dive in because I feel really burdened and I have like a fire within me to continue pressing in and talking about mental health and normalizing getting help for your mental health within Christian communities because I still continue to see people who think that struggling with mental health, struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and other mental health issues is either a lack of faith, not trusting God, or even worse, a sin. Yes, there are some people who think that having anxiety and depression is a sin. So we're going to talk about all of that and more because I am really passionate about mental health and people getting help, that the help that they need. I have hinted here and there in the last few episodes about my own journey with mental health. I have gone back to therapy. I have started taking medication to help with my anxiety. Um, I have even received a diagnosis of PTSD caused by some trauma in my life that I have just started to finally acknowledge and unpack some stuff that has been buried deep inside for a long time that I can no longer ignore. And I don't mind being open and transparent about this journey because I think it helps normalize the amount of people who actually struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, suicidal ideation, which I will call SI moving on to mitigate any kind of triggers. So a big thing I want to unpack is the amount of chatter I see around mental health issues like anxiety and depression and how many Christians liken experiencing anxiety and experiencing depression to being attacked by 
demons or the enemy slash Satan slash the devil, whatever you call him. I'm going to probably use all three of those variations in this episode. And I grew up and I still live in the conservative South. I live in Austin, Texas. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church or a fundamental light church, as I'm coming to realize. (laughs) Um, I follow this guy on Instagram who tells a bunch of stories growing up in a fundamentalist church And I relate to a lot of them, and I experienced a lot of the same things. So I'm like, hmm, did I also grow up in a fundamentalist church? (laughs) But that's a story for another day. Um, So anyway, I grew up in a Pentecostal fundamentalist light church, I guess you could call it, because we weren't as hardcore as tried and true fundamentalist churches, but we weren't as, you know, chill and relaxed as other churches. So growing up in a Pentecostal church spiritual warfare and demons were everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) It was really common to chalk everything up to demonic activity. And in fact, around Halloween, I want to release an episode about that, about how Christians, particularly Southern conservative, even Pentecostal or evangelical Christians, see demons everywhere. Not literally, I mean, Maybe some do. I don't know. Some people have the gift to see angels and demons. But I mean, that like demons are in everything, right? Demons are in TV shows and books and whatever. And so I kind of want to talk about what I think about that, because I think while there is demonic activities in some areas, I believe there are other harmless things that people see demonic activity in, like yoga, for example. I don't think that yoga is demonic, but I grew up hearing that it basically was. So I want to unpack the idea of demons being everywhere. So that'll be a special Halloween-related episode. But anyway, backtracking a bit. So a lot of the chatter that I see around anxiety and depression and panic attacks and SI is that it is fueled by demons, that it is demonic attacks or attacks from Satan. And I am still kind of making up my mind on what I think about that, because while I do believe in, you know, demonic attacks and demonic activity, I also believe in science. And I also believe in what's called Occam's razor. So if you're not familiar with that philosophical idea, it's basically summed up that the simplest answer is usually the truest answer. So, for example, if someone is plagued with panic attacks, riddled with panic attacks their whole life, and they pray and they pray and they pray because they think that demons are attacking them, they think it's demonic activity, they think this and that, they pray and pray and pray for their panic attacks to go away, and they don't. But then all of a sudden, they finally go and they see a psychiatrist for their panic attacks, They get prescribed anti-anxiety medicine, and then their panic attacks go away. Well, the simplest answer would be that rather than being attacked and plagued by demons, they probably had some kind of chemical imbalance in their brain, and they just needed to get on medication to help kind of even everything out. So that is the principle of Occam's razor, that the simplest explanation for something is usually 
the truest one, the right one. <laughs> and I used that example of someone being plagued by something for years and years and years, and then finally getting help from it in the form of medication to highlight something that I experienced. So due to my PTSD for the last two or three years, I have had chronic nightmares. And these nightmares are very unsettling, right? As you would imagine nightmares to be. Obviously, they're not pleasant. And they would be so intense that I would start kind of crying out in my sleep. And, you know, my husband would have to wake me up. You know, I told him that, like, if I'm ever crying out in my sleep or if you can tell that I'm having a nightmare because he says my breathing always changes, like it gets quicker. So I, I told him, if you ever hear my breathing change like that or if you ever hear me cry out in my sleep, please wake me up because I'm having a nightmare and I can't get out of it. So it got so bad that I would have these weird occurrences where I would wake up like actually wake up and then I would fall immediately back into a nightmare but I wouldn't realize I was having a nightmare I would still think that I was awake and then I would wake up again and they call that false awakening where you wake up but then you immediately fall back into a dream but you think that you're still awake and so that would be really unsettling as well because I would kind of wonder for a few minutes, like, am I still awake? Am I still asleep? Like, what's going on? It felt like inception. So I dealt with those chronic PTSD-related nightmares for three years. And finally, it got to the point where I'm like, I just need to see someone about this. So I went to a psychiatrist and I told her all about my nightmares. And she prescribed me anti-anxiety medicine to take during the day. And she also prescribed me something to take at night to help with the nightmares. And the first night that I took my medicine for my nightmares, I just felt so calm and so relaxed. It felt like everything had just kind of been like turned down, like all of the buzzing, restless energy in my body, all of the anxious thoughts even my heart rate, like it all just kind of slowed down and I just felt calm and relaxed and I just drifted off to sleep. And then when I woke up the next morning, I felt the most refreshed I had felt in years. I woke up full of energy. I woke up ready to start the day. Like I felt great. I felt amazing. And to have that kind of relief after years, literally years, of waking up feeling exhausted or staying up really late at night, afraid to go to sleep because I was afraid of falling back into another nightmare. I mean, I could easily stay awake till like one, two, sometimes even three o'clock in the morning. All of that to say is that relief that I felt that first morning waking up after taking my medicine for the first time was amazing and honestly life-changing and I just think about the fact that if I had chalked up my nightmares to demonic activity if I had written it off as Satan just trying to mess with me and I hadn't actually gone to a psychiatrist and gotten prescribed medication for it 
I probably would have continued suffering from those nightmares because I tried it all. I had people pray for me. I prayed every night. You know, I would play worship music. I would, you know, I did it all and nothing helped. And for my anxiety, the same thing. I have struggled with anxiety. I'm coming to grips with the fact that I've struggled with it pretty much my whole life. Um, I have a lot of stuff in my childhood. You know, it all comes back to your childhood, right? <laughs> I have a lot of stuff in my childhood that has um, gone untreated, I guess you could say, um, or unhealed. And all of that has led to me being a very anxious person. I especially really struggle with social anxiety. And so, again, with getting prescribed anti-anxiety medicine, I feel more evened out. I feel less overwhelmed by social situations. I feel like I have less negative thoughts about myself, which is a symptom of also dealing with depression. My therapist recently told me that having depression for a long time is usually based in shame and more specifically shame about yourself, having a low self-esteem, having a low view of yourself, feeling like something is wrong with you or even being told that something is wrong with you, all of which happened to me in my childhood. And so dealing with that level of shame for as long as I did led me to develop depression and anxiety at a young age. And again, that continued on throughout my whole life because, like I mentioned in my very first episode when I talked about mental health, my parents didn't believe in mental health. You know, they do now, like they're more on board. They kind of have changed with the times and they support my efforts to go to therapy. But growing up, they really didn't. Um, and I feel like a lot of people who grew up in the 90s probably had that similar um similar situation with their parents where maybe your parents also didn't believe in mental health because it just wasn't really a thing in the 90s. That is just a little bit of my story. And like I said, I share it to normalize getting help for your mental health and getting the help that you need and to make it feel less taboo to talk about these things. Because I feel like, again, a lot of Christians don't talk about their struggles with mental health, and they don't often talk about it from more of a scientific, psychological point of view. They talk about it from more of a spiritual point of view. And they think that dealing with depression is just dealing with an attack from the enemy or dealing with anxiety is just being tempted into sin because the Bible says, you know, don't be anxious for anything. So if you feel anxious, then you're just being, you know, tempted, right? You're being tempted into sin. You're being tempted to go against what God has for you. And I really don't believe that to be true. The reason why I'm so passionate in kind of dismantling the idea that anxiety attacks or depression or SI is from the devil or it's demonic activity or demonic attacks is because I think when Christians have that attitude, 
it can stand in the way of them being truly set free from those issues. You know, how many Christians are dealing with mental health issues and rather than getting the practical help they need, they are continuing to suffer from them because they're just chalking it up to demonic activity or an attack from the devil or things like that. Now, that isn't to say that medication is the end-all be-all. I still struggle with anxiety, even though I'm on anti-anxiety medicine. And I know people who, you know, still have panic attacks, still have depression, still have, you know, nightmares, still have whatever, and they're on medicine. So medicine isn't the end-all be-all, you know, not at all. That's not what I'm trying to argue but I think in some ways, it really does help, like with me no longer having nightmares and waking up feeling refreshed in the morning. Like that's a huge step for me. And even with dealing with my anxiety, I feel like I have more energy. I feel like I have more motivation. I feel like I'm no longer dreading certain things that I used to dread. Because for me, that's how anxiety shows up. It's just this feeling of dread that like creeps over my heart and makes me feel like something bad is about to happen. So yeah, all of that to say is I just want to dismantle that idea that all of this stuff, all of this mental health issues are, you know, just from the devil, because I feel like that's an easy explanation, and I feel like it's not always true, you know? Um, and again, I just, I don't want Christians to suffer any longer with their mental health and not get the help that they need just because they're being told or they're made to feel like, oh, it's just an attack from the enemy and you just need to pray more or you just need to read your Bible more or you just need to turn on worship music or you just need to whatever, you know, because I did all of that. Like I said, for my nightmares, I did all of that and it didn't help. But then I take one pill the first time and it worked. And no more, nightmare, no more nightmares. Something that had plagued me for years. So, yeah, just, you know, take this as an encouragement that if people have made you feel like your anxiety or depression is just a lack of faith, that you just need to pray more, you need to read your Bible more, you need to put on worship music, you need to cleanse your room or whatever, you know, yeah, of course, do all of that for sure. But maybe also consider going to therapy and unpacking some of that trauma and some of those issues, because that is also what will set you free, is actually talking about that stuff and learning to process it and, and let it go or try to let it go. That has been really freeing for me going to therapy is to finally talk about things that I haven't told anyone. There have been some things that I've expressed to my therapist that I literally haven't told anyone. And I think keeping that stuff locked inside of me for so long made me mentally unwell. Right? It made me mentally not okay to keep that trauma, you know, bottled up, to keep that fear bottled up, to keep that harsh memory or memories bottled up, you know, because the Bible talks about how we're meant to share one another's burdens and bear one another's burdens in love. 
And I think that verse is in there to encourage us to open up to one another because we're not made to carry our burdens alone. You know, some things we go through are just too much for us to bear or process on our own. And I think that's why therapists exist, because they can help you process those things and give you a different perspective on them. So far, my therapist has helped me have a major shift in the way that I looked at certain things. You know, she has helped me have compassion for myself in situations where I was really hard on myself. And she would remind me, Nicole, you were just young when that happened to you. You weren't expecting to handle all of that. So that's why I think unburdening yourself to a therapist is also really helpful because you can truly learn to let some of that stuff go and let someone in. And that's where the healing begins. This is what really breaks my heart the most is when people are made to feel like struggling with anxiety or depression is a sin and they're giving into temptation that the devil is tempting them with anxiety or the devil is tempting them with depression because when you struggle with depression or anxiety you're looking at yourself and not looking at God you're looking at your problems instead of looking what God looking at what God has for you and it's just not that simple you know dealing with anxiety and depression like i talked about usually for a lot of people it's because stuff has happened to them in their life trauma has happened to them and i think when you experience enough trauma it does change your brain chemistry it changes who you are internally at like a cellular level (laughs) you know my anti-anxiety medicine what it does is it helps balance the serotonin levels in my brain so i didn't know this but my psychiatrist told me that 40 percent of our serotonin lives in our brain The other 40% lives in our gut, and the remaining 20% lives in our sexual organs. And so it moves around your body as your body, you know, sees fit, right? As your body kind of regulates itself, it moves the serotonin around those three areas. But what the anti-anxiety medicine does is it inhibits the reuptake of serotonin. Uptake is when it moves around. So basically... The medicine that I'm on keeps my body from doing that and basically tells my body, hey, don't move this stuff around because we need all the serotonin we can get. So keep it level. Keep it regulated. Don't don't cycle it around through the body, but just keep it where it is, basically. And so that is something at like a biological and neurological level that I can't help. I can't help that my serotonin levels aren't regulated properly and that I need medication to help them be properly regulated. For some people who have depression, it's another kind of chemical imbalance and you can't help that. And again, most of that comes because trauma and stuff has happened to you and that changes you. You know, you can't walk away from hard things in your life scot-free. It leaves a mark on you. It, It imprints on you almost. And we all have been through trauma and we all have been through hard things because life is hard. And some people that impacts them more than others. And you aren't less of a Christian. You aren't less 
faithful if you find yourself bearing more of the brunt of your trauma than other people might. That's why I get so fired up about mental health and talking about it in Christian communities because I see so much blame. Just the other day, I had I saw someone share on Instagram that it was in a comment section somewhere. You know, I told you guys I'm always reading the comments section because I'm curious to hear what people say about different topics. And someone shared that they opened up to a church leader about their anxiety and depression, and they were told that those things aren't real and they just need to pray more. And that was recent. That was like last week, I think, that I saw that comment or maybe just a few days ago. So people are still out here being blamed or being made to feel like their mental health struggles are not real. And rather than being encouraged to get the help that they need from professionals, from therapists, from psychiatrists, they're being told that they just need to pray more or that they are lacking faith. And again, it's not that simple. And I think that's why maybe a lot of Christians shy away from therapy or from getting on prescription medication or things like that, because it's not easy. It's not an easy journey. So far, going to therapy has been really hard. I get an anxiety attack almost every time I have to go. And sometimes when I come home, I feel like I'm dissociating where I have that weird like floaty feeling where I'm not like in my body. And even the other night, I cried to my husband about some stuff that was brought up in therapy. It's not easy. <laughs> The, the journey to healing is not easy. In fact, I saw an Instagram post the other day that talked about that, and it said the reason why a healing journey, especially with your mental health, is not easy and that there's a lot of grief in that healing process is because you look back on your life and you realize how much you missed out on because of your anxiety and depression holding you back. You realize how you were treated and how it wasn't okay. But at the time, you were made to feel like it was okay. Or maybe at the time, no one told you that it wasn't okay for you to be treated that way. So you just accepted it. And it's like what I was just talking about. I just, my heart breaks thinking about people who are still suffering with mental health issues, all because they were encouraged to take care of themselves. And I just don't want anyone to be in the place that I have been in recently where I look back on my life and I just think, man, if I had gotten help sooner, I would be so much happier by now. I would be a lot further <laughs> on this healing journey than I am now. And yeah, like I said lately, just like that post said, like I've been looking back on my life and realizing a lot of things, realizing how long I dealt with a lot of things that I shouldn't have had to deal with. And if I had just unburdened myself sooner rather than now at 33 years old, you know, I would have maybe been a lot happier 
and a lot further in some areas. And I would have had better coping skills and I would have done a lot of things differently. Hey, y'all, it's editing Nicole here. So like usual, I have talked for way too long and I don't know about you guys, but I can only handle hearing just one person talk for 30 to 45 minutes, any longer than that. And I start to zone out and I don't want to do that to y'all. So I have broken up this episode into two parts, which is why this episode stops a bit abruptly and the next one starts a bit abruptly. But I've already gone ahead and uploaded part two, so you can go and binge these episodes back to back if you would like. But before you do it, please don't forget to rate this episode and part two from whatever platform you listen to podcast on. I know every content creator asks for that, but it really, really does help push out my content to more people. And I want more people to hear this message so that we can lessen the stigma around getting help for our mental health, especially within Christian communities. So the more you engage with the content, the more the algorithm likes it, and it will push out my content to more and more people, and we can welcome more people into our club in the hopes that less people will feel like a lone wolf. All right, this has been another episode of the Lone Wolves Club podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Porter. As always, thank you so much for listening and spending a part of your day with me. And I'll catch you in part two.